Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Postcards from a Dying World. Although he didn't watch a lot of movies this year, my guest for the best of 2021 movies is one of the biggest movie nerds I know. He's such a movie nerd that he like got me a movie pass when they still existed because he wanted to talk more movies with me and couldn't believe that I wasn't seeing more movies. Just to convince me the movie pass was great. Uh, old friend Issa, from, who Issa, you might know, uh, he's a writer director himself. He's made a, a movie and he's most well known for uh, being the lead vocalist of the hardcore band Good Clean Fun. Issa, welcome back to Postcards from a Dying World because you were Thank on you. our Star Trek's Lower Decks episode. So, welcome I'm back. excited to be back. Uh, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to talk about movies. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the best and worst. Well, I'm going to have one worst movie, but we're going to mostly talk about the best movies that we saw this year. Now, I should note that I saw a really good movie last night that's not on my list. I don't know where it would be on my list, but I know it's on yours, so we'll talk about it at some point. The idea here is, for me, that these aren't necessarily what I think are, like, the best Oscar-worthy movies, necessarily. Just my favorite movies of the year, some of which I want people to check out that maybe they didn't see or hear about and to highlight. And I just going, I'm just going on favorite. Now, once Oscar season comes and you ask me what's like the real, real best, it may be different. And one movie I have not seen yet, which I think would probably be high on my list, but I'm not seeing it until later this week is Nightmare Alley by Guillermo del Toro. I just haven't seen, I've not seen that. I've not seen that yet either. Yeah. So shame on me. Uh, Cause that would probably be on my list, but let, let me start with my honorable mentions and Issa can uh, continue to uh, rank his movies. Cause he didn't rank them yet. Um, I, they're ranked. I'm ranked. I got it. Yeah. And just took a second. I've, I've even got two honorable mentions. Okay. So my honorable mentions. <laughs> I definitely have a worse movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's not as bad as mine. I can't guarantee you. Well, we'll see. Um, So my honorable mentions include the net, the German Netflix released vampire movie, blood red sky, like terrorists on a plane, vampires on a plane kind of crossover thing. This is way better than it has any right to be. Um, (laughs) This movie should be really dumb, but it's actually pretty good. Um, I would have made a few different, choices with the narrative in it but i seen it long enough ago that i'm not really quite sure what those were but i just know it was pretty good i gave it a solid three and a half stars but i think it's one that is such a stupid crazy concept and the fact that it worked as well as it did uh, is really a testament to the movie i think there's a better airplane thriller the year before joseph gordon levitt was in a movie called 7500 i think it's like a code for terrorist taking thing but that's a single that that movie never leaves his pov from that cockpit that movie's great that movie's incredible so i should definitely recommend that one to people but um that was last year so 
Can't talk about that. So I, I'm just, I don't want you to spoil anything, but were the terrorists vampires or were there terrorists on a plane and also vampires on a plane? Separately? No, so there's a mother on the plane who's a vampire who's trying to make it and she's timed the flight to go overnight to New York to get a cure for her vampirism. Okay, <laughs> of course, of course. And then the, the terrorists try to take over the plane and turn it the other direction. So oh, she, okay. she's not going to make it if they go into the sun, right? Right, right. Okay, yeah. that's a great, that is a great plot. I love how that constrains the time of the, uh, of the movie. You know, it's yeah, yeah. No, it, it's better than it has any right to be. And that's Blood Red Sky, released by Netflix. And the next one's a bigger movie, and that's the most recent James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Um, I forgot to put that on my list. That is my complaint about these James Bond movies is how forgettable they are. And I just forgot to put it on my list. Yeah. Well, no time to die. I actually liked, I thought, yeah, Spectre was bad. Um, I don't, the big spoiler at the end, I think everyone should have seen coming. So, um, despite Rami Malek, like not being good in anything besides Mr. Robot, um, Um, and he's incredible. Besides the Queen movie, that was the, I, I thought that was his hot one. Yeah, see, I, I that that one hurt. I didn't like that performance either. But, okay. Uh, okay. but, but, um, despite Rami Malek, I think kind of chewing the scene a little, like if you chew the scene so much as a Bond villain that you're kind of going overboard, that's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. However, <laughs> I thought the movie overall was a really great bookend for the Craig Bond era. And it's not my favorite. I definitely Skyfall is the best of mm. of those films and Casino Royale mm-hmm. and Skyfall. But I think this is probably the third best. And I think a very good and fitting ending and something we've never seen. And it has moments that we've never seen in a James Bond film. And the fact that there's like 40 bazillion of them. And there's a yeah. couple moments in there that we've never seen before. Um, uh, I'm all about No Time to Die. Uh, your thoughts on No Time to Die? So I, you know, I, I had the same thought I've had with every other James Bond movie pretty much since Sean Connery, where it's, it's not bad. It's actually quite a good movie, but it's completely forgettable. Like the, you know, the old Bond movies used to kind of uh, rest on some crazy stunts or some action sequences and, you know, had, of course, all the classic James Bond stuff. I feel like they've lost that somehow. And I almost feel like the Mission Impossible movies have have kind of taken over for the James Bond movies. Like they're better James Bond movies than James Bond movies. Um, and it's hard to put Very my true. finger on it. It's, it's not that it's bad. It's just not memorable. Like I leave the theater and I don't remember anything that I just saw. And, and that's been my, I, I like Daniel Craig. I have no complaints. Like I can't put my finger on what it is. I don't really love about these movies, but it's just, they seem very interchangeable and forgettable. Like I didn't remember, I don't remember the older ones. I remember liking Skyfall the most, but I don't remember really what happened in any of them. Like it's all very uh, a blur. Right. Well, I think Spectre was, I think that's the main thing is it's just like kind of a mess and a blur and whatever. But I think Skyfall had the like going back to his roots thing that really, um, that kind of made it a little different. And um, I, I, you know, one of my big problems with these Bond movies is that Naomi Harris's Money Penny is like way more incredible than any other 
uh, person he meets along the way. So it's just right. like that, that always kind of bothers me too. And she's great in another movie on my list this year, but um, uh, that's just a little like nitpick, but, um, but it, anywho, uh, no time to die. I thought, um, yeah, honorable mention. And um, now the next one um, on my honorable mentions might be a little bit more, because I saw a lot of people really didn't like this movie, but, and that's, um, and it was a straight to HBO um, movie with Hugh Jackman called Reminiscence. Did you, were, did you see that one, Isa? I, I'm pretty sure I saw that in the theater. I don't know that it was straight. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. It did get a, a small yeah. release in the theater. Yeah. Okay. I, well, I was one of the 10 people that saw it in the theater. So, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Reminiscence <laughs> from um, Lisa Joy, who's one of the um, creators and showrunners of um, HBO's Westworld, her directorial debut for a film. Um, starring uh, Tandy Newton and Hugh Jackman. I really actually like this movie, and a lot of people thought it was too long and too convoluted. Um, but it was I, definitely long. <laughs> it's definitely long. Yeah. Uh, I got into it because I thought the world building was really great, and I just kind of got lost in the world. I wouldn't. It's definitely not top ten worthy, but I yeah. just. I thought it was a cool movie and I'd like to think that we, it, it looked fantastic. And if we can get more like, you know, kind of, this is weird to say, but more throwaway sci-fi movies that look that good, like mm. then that's just better for the sci-fi world, you know? Because so I, then, yeah. I wish, I wish that I remembered this movie better. Cause I think, you know, during pandemic time, everything sort of has run together for the last two years. But I, I don't know when it was actually out, but I, I feel like I saw it quite a while ago. I, I didn't mind it. I didn't really like it. I you you say you really like the world building. I I didn't love it. Like I like some of it. Like I thought there was some stuff that was really well done. There was like that, there were some, yeah, it was it was a script that could have used another rewrite. That that sounds like such a cliche thing to say, but like I feel like it there was a the gem of a story in there and it needed yeah. a little more work to come out. Well, I actually, I will agree with you that another pass to kind of tighten the bolts a little bit, because it's like a murder mystery, and the yeah. whole thing is that he can live inside of his memories, and um, uh, this is another turn, by the way, for the um, unexplainable, like, screen charisma of Rebecca Ferguson. Uh -huh. been killing <laughs> okay. it, and, and I just don't know what makes her just work on screen so well um a doctor sleep is another example of, mm. of where she just pops in that movie and of course doom which we'll talk about later but um but it, as far as um yeah i just i i can agree with you that that it just needed a little tightening because at an hour and or two hours and 20 minutes there's an yeah. hour and 45 minute version of this murder mystery yeah you know, that, that would have just been a, a, yeah, a little were, better. I was fine with it the way that it was, but. There's like an obligatory action scene where he like ends up underwater. And I, I really, it would have been much better without that scene. I remember I've just, it's coming back to me that I thought there was one fight scene that was just kind of silly. So. Yeah. And know. that was, yeah. And especially because of how hard filming underwater is like, you really could have just, you know, yeah. yeah it didn't really <laughs> add much to the plot. I, I will, I will agree with you there. So, yeah. um, however, uh, I think uh, Lisa Joy uh, 
pretty good for her first time, like being able to manage yeah, those visuals. Um, her episodes of Westworld are great. So I'm in favor of her doing more stuff. I'd like to see, and here's the thing. I want to see more smart, character-driven science fiction that gets this kind of um, treatment. So, you know, uh, I, I recently put out an article on tour that's like 20 classic science fiction movies I'd like to see made. And things like this, like, help because if they can, if they can get attention you know, that if we could get more of these that don't need to have like a blockbuster release and, and, you know, they're still getting made, that's a good thing. So, yeah, I agree. I, I will segue with that right into my uh, honor, one of my honorable mentions, uh, the Tomorrow War, uh, the Chris Pratt sci-fi movie that I think was on Netflix. I think it was straight from Netflix. A lot of people didn't like it. Amazon. It was, oh, Amazon. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Netflix or Amazon, whoever. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it was, uh, you know, for like a, a like we like you were just saying, it's great to see like a little time travel alien sci-fi movie. Um, it didn't seem to go over very well with a lot of people, but I thought it was it was quite enjoyable for a, for a watch at home experience. It was a dumb, fun experience. This is the type of movie that would have been a sci-fi channel release like yeah, yeah, a couple years exactly. ago. and. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't that dumb. Like I, I mean, there were like, you know, there's pretty dumb, dumb and it may have just been the, the, the plot was actually not bad. Like aside from <laughs> a couple major points of the plot, but if you take away, this is honorable mention territory. But if you take away a couple of the, you know, things that maybe were a little silly, the, the like the. I guess no one's getting spoiled on this, right? We're totally fine to tell spoilers. But well, I, thought, I think you can give a skip ahead two minutes. Always like if we say spoiler warning, people, <laughs> okay. that's a skip ahead two minutes kind of thing. So if anyone is uh if anyone is worried about being spoiled for the tomorrow war, then please do skip ahead for a minute. But I thought the part where like they get the future part was just sort of very generic and whatever, right? But I thought when they figured out where the ship was and went to go take care of it. I thought that was really smart. And I thought that was really good. Like, and it could have obviously been a lot better, but I thought that was like a solid, uh, a solid premise. I am pro this movie because just like what we said in the last one, the more science fiction that we can get, that doesn't have to be like lines around the block to justify its budget. Yeah. I'm all for it. So, all right. I think we can, I think we can leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have an actual good movie for my next honorable mention, and then we'll get your last honorable mention. And yeah. that is um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, oh, I did, not, I did not see that. I've been meaning to, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Okay, so this is a movie about, this is a biopic about Fred Hampton, the Black Panther. And Lakeith Stanfield plays the um, FBI agent who infiltrates um, the Panthers and um, it's incredible that this movie got made the, um, this is not the type of movie that you would, I, I don't know, it'd be easy to go in and ask people for money for, um, <laughs> right, to make a period movie, and it looks great, it looks period, uh, it's funny to, to do old rundown um, Chicago, they filmed in Cleveland, which makes me laugh, sorry Cleveland, um, <laughs> yeah, um, the fact that Fred Hampton was 21 years old when he was murdered 
Um, it's so Daniel Kalula is great as Fred Hampton, but he's a little bit older than than Fred Hampton was when he was killed. But it just shows you what a, what an amazing person Fred Hampton was that he had done so much by the time he was twenty one years old. Um, this movie will make you angry. It will upset you. Yeah, I'm in this. I'm in this very embarrassing situation now where I haven't seen a movie, so I'm in a situation where I got some white guy telling me about the Black Panthers on a podcast. <laughs> but but yeah. we'll, just, we'll just put that aside and go on with the. You know, I'm glad that you liked it, and uh, I'm excited to see it. <laughs> yeah, you should see it. Um, yeah, so I won't say too much more, but I will say that it's really well directed. And it's really interesting. It was like the two screenwriters who started it were like a comedy team, had written nothing but comedies and wrote this like super serious movie about murder wow. and the Black Panthers. So it's that, awesome. yeah, that's interesting in that regard. So, all right, your last honorable mention, Isa. Okay. I have one my, other one, my other one is Black Widow, which, uh, you know, I'm a huge Marvel fan. And normally it would be, you know, in my top, you know, if there are four Marvel movies that year, those are my top four movies usually. Um, Black Widow got completely screwed and, uh, you know, released in like the worst possible way, just based on timing. Um, you know, this, again, uh, this is not a spoiler to anyone who's not been living under a rock, but in, uh, in, you know, we all know what happened in the events of Endgame. Uh, and then, so then her, her meaning that she was already a dead character in the MCU exactly which pretty much guarantees that the stakes are are very low in her movie and the movie was fine it was actually a really good movie I like the movie yeah I I liked it a lot if it had come out five years ago when it was supposed to come out like right after Civil War in the if it had come out in the time period where it takes place it would have been a fantastic installment um now I I, I will say for me, it was my first movie back in theaters. So, um, and that's the longest stretch I've ever gone in my life without seeing a movie in the theater. And, um, I love the, I love going to movies in the theater. So there's a certain amount of awesome that I felt just because I was back in the theater, but I think all the family stuff worked really well. Um, and it just should have came out after civil war. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why it's an honorable mention instead of in my, you know, top four. But I just I want to tell a funny story about my pandemic movies. So my first movie before before the pandemic started, my last movie before the pandemic started was Vin Diesel in Bloodshot, which was one of the worst movies I've probably ever seen. Not good. It looks my real first, bad. Yeah, it was really bad. It was worse than it looks. My first movie back was Fast and Furious in Space, whatever number that is. So I had a Vin Diesel <laughs> bookends around my pandemic experience which was entertaining so my last movie before lockdown was the lodge which is a really really sad and awful depressing um horror movie that's so depressing there's moments that i just laughed out loud at how depressing it was (laughs) um which is have you seen the lodge it's i have not yeah you should see it it's a great horror movie but um but I, what I realized is it was a good example when I watched it at home, I watched it at home with my wife and it didn't work as well. And I realized there's a lot of very specific reasons why that movie worked better in the theater and did not work at home. And it's that movie depended on the um, uh, immersiveness of like, you can't pause it. You can't get up and leave the room. You can't get a snack. You know, you're, you're in it. 
And yeah. um, another movie that I wish I had seen on, on the big screen, but uh, did not, is a British horror movie called Censor. Um, and it stars the woman who plays Mother on Raised by Wolves, uh, which is a show that I like a lot more than some people did. Um, but you would not recognize Mother from Raised by Wolves in this movie. She's completely unrecognizable from that. Um, and this is a meta horror movie about the video nasties of the 80s. She's a woman, she plays a woman that's on the board that censors gore movies and has to watch gore movies to censor them for the British in the 80s. And it um, triggers for her some some stuff about her lost sister um and i'm gonna do it as a uh pkd a dick like suggestion on the dickheads podcast because a lot of philip k dick's um trauma throughout his entire life is the fact that his twin sister died when 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 he was a baby and he has all these like haunted twin fears and things censor <laughs> interesting yeah so uh censor is um yeah really interesting horror movie very very good pretty violent too so uh, if you're not into that don't do that Issa, your worst movie of the year <laughs> so i've got two that i'm, I'm going to tell i'm going to use both i'll do be very fast one was terrible and i and i, sh- and I knew it was i should have known it would be terrible i shouldn't have watched it uh, it is called Two. It is a movie on Netflix, I believe. It's a Spanish film, I also believe, uh, that uh, is about, it's like Human Centipede Part Two, basically. Um, it's about two people who don't know each other who wake up uh, from being unconscious. And oh, I heard about that, yeah. <laughs> um, it then features like a, an M. Night Shyamalan-worthy twist, which is, it's just terrible. Like, it's not good. And the funniest thing about the movie for me was I was so glad that it was a Spanish movie because if it had been made in America, it would have been like so much worse. And so that was kind of entertaining. So it's very short, very direct, but it's exactly what you expect. And I watched it because people were making fun of it. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll check it out. Uh, my actual worst movie, which should have been way better, was Limitless, uh, which was the Marky Mark movie who I love, I'm a huge fan, but the Marky Mark movie where he uh, remembers all his past lives. Oh, am I getting the name wrong? It's Infinite, right? Limitless is Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah, it's a little infinity symbol. Yeah, sorry, Limitless, totally different movie. I apologize to Limitless. Infinite, that was what it was. I I didn't have time to prepare my honorable mention, so this happened really fast. But Infinite with Marky Mark, uh, where he can remember all his past lives, it is probably the dumbest science fiction movie ever made. Um, I was very unimpressed. Wow. All right. My worst movie. I have to defend myself for why I watched this. <laughs> the absolute worst movie of the year. Um, starring um, recent astronaut William Shatner. Um, now, well, that's, why, that's why you watched it. No, that's not why I watched it, actually. Okay. Right now, we were in a little bit of a Gene Smart renaissance. Um, Gene Smart was great in The Mayor of Easttown. She was great in Hacks. If you haven't seen the show Hacks on HBO Max, very, very funny. And she was great in it. And I heard that Gene Smart was in a romantic comedy with William Shatner (laughs) called Senior Moment. 
And I thought, well, now Gene Smart keeps doing all these like really great things like hacks and all that. And, you know, I love William Shatner. So what I did not know that Senior Moment was a production of some like Christian movie company that makes those like Hallmark propaganda type movies. Oh, yeah. And so that it's a rom-com starring 90-year-old William Shatner and Gene Smart called Senior Moment. And it takes place in Palm Springs. And the whole thing happens because William Shatner is like this womanizing 90-year-old guy whose whole life is centered around his sports car. And his sports car breaks down and he has to start riding the bus. And he meets this hippie woman played by Gene Smart and falls in love. And it is so bad that it became a, a test of will to see if we could finish the movie. Um, it is the single worst movie I've seen in long time. And it sounds yeah, it was. And if you think like, well, there's got to be at least a few laugh out loud moments. It's just uncomfortable. It's, you know, he put William Shatner like needed more hazard pay for this than going to space. Um, <laughs> you know, I just uh, uh, I, no, this this was this was a big no. Um, okay. yeah. And yeah, so senior moment is my worst movie of the year. And okay. it's Gene Smart's fault. It, I, I watched it because I thought she must have been doing it for good reason she was not i don't know if it was money or what but it was money <laughs> yes so my number ten, you know like sure yeah so let's start our countdown our top 10 okay um right. isa your number 10 movie of 2021 my number 10 is eternals the marvel movie um i you know, it was fantastic. It's a Marvel movie. If if you just straight up compared it to any movies, it really should be higher on my list. But I felt like it just compared to itself, it could have been a little better. And that's why it is in the number 10 spot. Okay. I have to admit, the only Marvel movie I have not seen in the theater is Eternals. And it's okay. not because I wasn't interested. It's just right. timing didn't work for me. Just, just all right, well, you should you should definitely see it. I mean, it's really no, good. I thought it looked good, and I think I'll probably like it more than a lot of people. Um, yeah, uh, because I don't have most of the things that I've seen people complain about it were all things that I'm like, I that doesn't bother me, you know. No, no, there's no the only, I mean, the main complaint is that it isn't as like action packed or as exciting as you might want a movie like that to be, but and I, I don't that, care about that. That will not be your problem, yeah, yeah, totally. If you give me a story, I'm fine. Um, so my number 10 is a Korean science fiction movie called Space Sweepers. And Space Sweepers is, and I've seen it compared to tone-wise Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and which is fair because it has a lot of humor and it has a kind of breezy tone. Um, part of the plot is, it's, so it's about these, uh, this crew who... Uh, work um, like combing the or orbit of Earth for space junk, and they happen upon um, this robotic child who they're told is a giant bomb, uh, but she's very sweet and cute and cuddly. Uh, so it's kind of a, and so they have to get to the the um, uh, 
the truth behind you know who built this bomb baby uh, sweet child like four-year-old child and uh so there's like some dystopic cli-fi stuff there's an evil mega corporation choking the earth the little kid is very cute um there's a blade runner-ish design to the whole thing the action is crazy and over the top it's the most intense korean korean cinema has done with cgi so that's good and if anyone knows korean cinema is great korea makes great fucking movies so um the only thing that you can kind of ding the movie for is and this is true of most asian films i don't know why asian films can't hire actual english language actors but they always whenever there's anyone speaking english in these asian movies that they they're, they're they don't seem like they can speak English at all. I mean, have you seen the American portrayals of Asian actors? Of Asian yes, actors? I know. I'm not saying we're better. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying we're better. But I'm I sure. watch a lot of Asian movies and, yeah, and it's yeah. not as bad as it used to be. But like, especially in the 80s, it was like they didn't hire actors. They would just get some guy to yeah. say lies. It was terrible. Um, but yeah, Space Weavers is great. And I know you haven't seen it, so you can't really I comment will, too much on it. I will, but I will have to watch that. You will you will love Space Weepers. Trust me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I watched it in Korean with subtitles, so I don't know how it works dubbed. Um, but I I would suggest watching it in subtitles. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a definitely a subtitles kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, and and um, but it will just make you wish that Korea made more sci-fi movies because um, it's super good. And now, and I should comment that if we both have a movie on our list, we'll talk about it at the higher spot. Okay. So, um, you're number nine. Number nine, Last Night in Soho. We're going to uh, talk about that one later. Okay, we'll skip that one. Well, then let me do my number eight too, because I know we're going to skip that. My number eight is Dune. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about that one later. So <laughs> okay. my number nine was uh, Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. Um, oh, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, so this is uh, Bob Odenkirk doing John Wick, like literally like the John Wick fight coordinators but the director of the movie is um a, a, a russian punk rock uh director who had done um, a movie in russia a couple of years ago called hardcore that is really good and crazy um over the top action movie so here's the pitch it's bob odenkirk doing john wick christopher lloyd plays his dad and rizza's his best friend and Riza and Christopher Lloyd are as good a screen partners as you could imagine, right? <laughs> I can't believe I didn't see this, yeah. Um, here's the other thing. It has a bus fight that I think is better than Shang-Chi. Wow, okay. Yes. So, that, and it beat Shang-Chi to the bus fight. In fact, I'm sure when the Shang-Chi people saw the bus fight in Nobody, they were like, damn it, we already were st- we've already filmed our bus fight. Um, the other thing is, is that nobody has a cameo for the great Michael Ironside. Um, and anytime you can see Michael Ironside on screen again, that's good. And so, and the whole thing was inspired by Bob Odenkirk was um, involved in a break-in. He had a break-in in his house and he ended up just locking the, the person who broke into his house into his basement and the person couldn't get out. And... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and it turned into this thing where everyone just kept telling him, oh, man, I would have kicked that dude's ass. 
And mm. so the inspiration for this movie was uh, like how many people were like telling Bob Odenkirk, well, why don't you just kick the dude's ass? And like, it all kind of came from that. Um, it's obviously a Bob Odenkirk passion project. If you love Bob Odenkirk, you're going to love nobody. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't see this one. Um, it's really good. And so your number eight, you said was Dune. Dune. Yeah. 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 We'll come back to that one. Yeah. I figured, I figured that'd be higher on your list for me. You know, it's only half a movie, so it can't be, can't be too high, you know, but we're going to have the half a movie debate. I see. Um, I loved it. I just was half a movie. It gets, you know, whatever. Um, do you want to do your number eight or did did we just do that? Yeah. Let's do my number eight. My number eight is Candyman. Um, Um, I don't know if you saw Candyman, but I, I didn't. I me- I did mean to see it, but I just somehow managed to not see it. So okay. I will. I will see it at some point. I heard it was good. Yeah, Candyman. Um, for no other reason, the best score of the year. Um, that Candyman soundtrack is so good for writing horror. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, who, the guy who wrote a horror novel this year. Um, and listen to the Candyman soundtrack so much that I feel like I know the movie better than I probably do because I listened to the score a hundred times. Um, it is a smart sequel. I had some issues with it. It's not perfect. Um, but I think they did a really good job of working today's social issues into the Candyman mythos. Um, it is not a reboot. It is a sequel. And for that reason, it is really smart how they did that. The one thing that really bothered me with this movie is that they didn't give a story by credit to Clive Barker, which made no sense to me. I don't know how the WGA rules work for that, but there's there's no screen credit. There's a, a special thanks to Clive Barker at the end. And there's a scene where a character is reading Weave World, but that's as close to like acknowledging Clive Barker's role uh, in creating Candyman. So I thought that was a little weird. I was a little hurt by the fact that the night before I saw Candyman in the theater, I watched Take Shelter with Michael Shannon. And I feel like that's a better horror movie, <laughs> even though it wasn't a, technically a horror movie than Candyman. And that's that's a kind of on me thing. Um, and uh, the the opening scene where they do the backstory was all done with these like puppets and it shouldn't have worked but it was so fucking cool and i'm i'm behind i really want to see nia DaCosta, the director her first movie little woods it's been in my queue to watch ever since i saw Candyman. i just haven't gotten around to it but um i thought it was really well directed i feel like the studio there's a feeling that i had watching it that there's a longer cut by the director that works better because towards the end it gets a little choppy and to the ending a little quicker than than feels paced right. So I feel like we got to the ending a little too quickly. And my feeling is that there's some studio fuckery there and that if we ever get a director's cut, it'll be significantly better. Cool. Um, Isa, you're number seven. Number seven, I have Suicide Squad, um, which was a lot of fun. I Is this on your list or is this one not? It is not, but I saw it. Um, okay all right um it was it was you know i i feel like i'm grading on a curve a little bit here because the dc movies have not worked very well as a general uh as a general thing um but this one was just totally over the top ridiculous and it worked really well just james gunn um 
yeah well, and if you like watch it. like birds of prey versus this mm -hmm. like you can see yeah. where you know letting a director like have their way can yeah you know. it makes i mean yeah i guess you have to find the director has to work for the project and this was this was a movie that you know i didn't it's not like I'm saying it was like my favorite movie, right? Like I felt I felt that it sort of lost some steam in the second half and there were some other issues, but overall it was just a really like breath of fresh air, you know, like it was very different from all the other superhero movies and it really worked and, and was was just hilarious. So it, it, it was, definitely made my hand list. It was very funny. Peter Capaldi was great. Yeah. There were definitely lines in the movie that cracked me up. Um, oh, I forgot another really horrible movie I saw this year. And because I, I watched it the same weekend as Suicide Squad, which was the Eurovision, the Will Ferrell movie. Oh, I did not see that one. Yeah. Do not see it. It's I wasn't terrible. Going. <laughs> I was not not anyone out there listening, watching, do not watch Eurovision. I had to watch it because it was nominated for a Hugo because one writer did a fan campaign to get it nominated. And I feel like I'm never going to read that author's work ever again that because they did that. Yes, but I watched that in Suicide Squad in the same weekend. So Suicide Squad seemed okay. really good compared to that unwatchable mess. And uh, But I will say I didn't like the original, the, the and I know there was a lot of studio fuckery there. Yeah, um, no, the original but, was, was horrible. I mean, it was, it was just terrible. It was one of... It, it wasn't even like a, a movie. It was like a few movies stuck together and and most of them weren't good. Yeah, I did think Suicide Squad was a bit long. I was a bit ready for it to be over. I was um, too. Yeah, but, but other than that, I, yeah, I mean. But I mean, I, John Cena is hilarious and just worked really well in that movie. And I'm excited for his series, the Peacemaker series. True. I think they'll be, I think they'll, I think it will continue to entertain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't see it being over even half a dune, but you know, hey, it's your list. Um, uh, number seven for me is um, the Nicolas Cage joint Pig. Um, and I don't know, did you see that one, Issa? I did not. I actually was planning to watch it today, but I didn't have time. <laughs> like, all right i had been meaning to watch it it was on the list you mentioned it and i was like crap i haven't seen it yet but I, I just couldn't make it happen okay so pig is um not the movie you think it is the trailers make it look like john wick with the pig and because uh nick cage's last like real like insane well i guess he had color out of space after that but but Mandy being one of the greatest cinematic achievements of of the past 10 years uh says me um and uh you know and i still think mandy is a better movie than pig and when everyone's like oh like all these people have been saying that nick cage this shows that nick cage is back or that he has whatever it's like no mandy did mandy did but um i will say that pig is is a movie that i was afraid to, i was a little afraid to watch because not only did I used to live in Portland and hate the foodie culture up there, but being that we're both vegan and I, I was, a, I was a little worried about, you know, uh, violence towards animals in the movie, everything's kind of off, off camera. And it does a really good job of actually expressing animal rights points of view, um, except for, and the one thing that really hurt the movie for me was the last scene kind of undercuts, um, 
the message of the rest of the movie and it's um i don't think that's a spoiler to say that but um but nick cage's performance is just as a movie fan anybody should want to see this movie for cage's performance those of us who watch enough movies know that when cage is on he's on and that he can you know for every you know prisoners of the ghost land there's there's a um leaving las vegas and this is i I like him i like him good or bad like he's always entertaining to watch even even in some pretty bad movies yeah good or bad he's entertaining to watch and um (laughs) he's not being very nick cagey here he's just um giving exactly the performance he needed to um the one another thing that bothers me about this movie and this is just a me thing um is that i heard interviews with the director and uh he was on um the movies that made me which is a great podcast with josh olson and and joe dante where they talk about like the movies that inspired people and the fucking director had barely seen any movies it's like it, and that bothers me. That really bothers me that he got a movie made and that there's like tons of directors <laughs> who live, breathe, and bleed movies. Right. Trying to get movies made. And this guy's kind of like, oh, um, uh, Kubrick? Oh, I should see his movies. Oh, you know, it's like <laughs> that interview really bothered me. And I and I almost didn't watch the movie because I was like annoyed that like this well, guy. How, was, how, old, how old was this director? He's not very old, but okay, I mean, yeah, that, that, you know, come on. I mean, if you're whatever, I won't, I won't go off on an old man rant, but, uh, but yeah, you know, new generation and whatever. Yeah. All right. You know so you, so you did your number seven, uh, your number six, Isa. My number six is boss level, which, uh, I just watched last night on your recommendation. And so, so, uh, uh, so we'll talk about it later. Oh, okay. All right. Excellent. Um, okay. <laughs> What's your number six? It's a very similar action uh, movie, which is Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. <gasps> Hold on, and we're gonna have dogs fighting. Uh oh, fighting! Like to watch a movie. Like I have this. <laughs> All right, so uh, <laughs> sorry, we took a little break. Gunpowder Milkshake is um, uh, okay. So this movie is a surreal action movie. Starring Karen Gillian, uh, who was um, Amy Pond, the companion on Doctor Who, and um, most know her from the MCU, although you wouldn't recognize her because she played Nebula, right? Right. Um, And this is her in a starring role, but um, this, she plays like an assassin, like with crazy gun-fu stuff going on. And her mentors are, are you ready? Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett, Lena Headey plays her mother, and Carla Giacchino, I don't know if I'm saying her name right. They're, and they're all awesome. And so like, this is like a really weird lit surreal. It takes place in like a kind of an assassin world, like John Wick times 20 where like mm-hmm. people just walk around with guns like and sure. and the, the yeah <laughs> and the women in it Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett and like all those awesome women they they play librarians and there's like an amazing scene where they like pull books off the shelf and have guns that relate to the titles um 
but the action scenes are hilarious. They're really good. Angela Bassett has a moment that almost like was the most laugh out loud, funny moment where I almost fell out of my chair watching it. And um, I know for a fact that Quentin Tarantino screened this at the New Beverly, um, that he was a big fan of it too. So I, it's not just me. But what's weird is it came out on Netflix. It's an Israeli director, first time, big, first big movie for an, this Israeli director. And when it came out on Netflix, like I was just shocked that there weren't people everywhere talking about how hilarious this movie was. And if it hadn't come out, like when we were still kind of more in lockdown or whatever, I think this movie could have gotten a big release and gotten a lot of attention. And Michelle Yeoh is great in it. Angela Bassett is great. Lena Hetty is great as the mom um it's very funny movie great action um turn your brain off when you watch it don't try okay. to overthink it um <laughs> and then you will have a lot of fun um yeah so um but yeah so uh let's see we did your number six right you're um yeah and so your number five my number five is don't look up uh is that on your list? Um, Have you seen? It is not on my list. I watched it last night, and that's why it's not on my list. Okay, okay. Um, I thought it was fantastic. It was, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty much, um, well, it's pretty much exactly Deep Impact meets Idiocracy, um, and it it really is the best of both of those movies. Um, it works perfectly. It works a little too perfectly. Um, it was kind of scary. <laughs> um, right, right. That is part of the problem. Like, yeah, like it's it's there's this thing with how stupid our politics has got have gotten that satire just doesn't work anymore because you can't be more ridiculous than what's really happening. And so this movie is a satire, but it's not at the same time. So you know, idiocracy was very over the top satire, obviously. Um, and still a this lot has of its moments of yeah. over the top. <laughs> no, it, it does, but there isn't much that happens that isn't like pretty especially, like especially well, the mid credits scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's the part that struck me as not crazy enough. You know, like you go back and you watch like um, you know Contagion or any of the the plague movies and or the zombie movies where there's a plague of zombies and you don't have this concept of like we're not going to take the vaccine or I don't believe that zombies are real or that kind of thing. Um, and then now that seems ridiculous because in real life, apparently that's how people react. Um, this movie, I feel the same way in the sense that when they finally see, uh, I, I, this is a spoiler, so skip ahead if you don't want to get spoiled before seeing this movie. But the don't look up movement is sort of the, we don't believe there's a comet in the sky, don't look up, you know, which right. is just so accurate and hilarious. But then when you can finally see the comet in the sky with the naked eye, the people actually see it and believe it. Whereas I feel in real life, they just would see it and not believe it. Because yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, they're going to say, yeah. they're going to say, hey, wait, that's a projection or that's special yeah, effects. Exactly. Or... It's, it's fake. It's not real. It's a trick of the eye, whatever, right? Um, so so in, the, in the sense that it's over the top sarcasm, it's still not even over the top enough because reality has gotten even crazier. So, you know, it, it's impossible to, to take this movie as its own thing. It's very tied up in the politics of America in 2020, 21, whatever year it is, um, you know, any of the past 10 years in politics. 
And so, uh, yeah, but I thought it was really well done. Jonah Hill was hilarious. Um, it's very well written. Uh, the There's a gag with the, the snacks in the White House is like maybe my favorite gag to be in a movie in a long time. Um, you don't get a lot of good repeating gags like that anymore. That was-, uh, that was If really you're nice. watching MacGruber, you do. <laughs> I am excited to watch MacGruber, but I have not been watching it yet. So I'm so not yeah, halfway so that makes- through. And, th- and there's a Mel Brooks worthy wow. gag that's set up in episode two to episode three. <laughs> That reminded me of Get Smart. And, oh, no. Okay. So, yeah, you don't see oh, a lot of yeah. those these days. Yeah, so. that's true. I didn't even notice that those things were missing from movies. And, and they did it so well. Like, the way they just picked up on it over and over was great. Yeah, um, I, I did like Don't Look Up. I didn't think it was really, really good. Um, you're right. There's times where it's, you know, I've seen people say that it wasn't that wasn't very funny. And I think that that's because it's, it, it kind of hurts because you know how real like a lot of it is. Yeah. And so there's a lot of moments for, for me that the scene when they had that first meeting in the white house and they're just yeah. not taking it seriously um, was definitely like one of the, what that was, that was a really good scene. And, and I know money from race trader pointed this out on Facebook this morning. <laughs> and I, I, but the scene where the, she says they're too stupid to be as evil as you give them credit for. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, and that um, is uh, yeah. So that's good stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. I would say it didn't make my list, but partially because I watched it after I made my list. So. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So so I'm not sure. I we watched it last night, so I'm not sure where it would have factored if I really thought about it. But. Um, I mean, I, there's, there's a degree, yeah, and, and I've heard interviews with Adam McKay where he was saying that there was stuff that was just too close. They had a whole part, I guess, written where they had to, to get the spending for the mission to, to move the asteroid. They had to give a tax break to the 1%, and when that <laughs> happened in the COVID relief bill, like, right. they just, they took it out because they were like, it's, it hurts too much, um, and um but yeah, uh, yeah, Don't Look Up is, is pretty good. And I do think it's fair to say, although I think people are missing that it was written about climate change more than, yeah. you know, a lot of people are now looking at it as a COVID thing. Yeah, but, I mean, it works perfectly for both. You know, it really, I, yeah. I, you know, I understand it was clearly aimed at climate change, but it does work perfectly for both. Yeah, and I think the only problem with it is a climate change analogy. And I, and I do think it's fair to say that it's, um, kind of Dr. Strange love for climate science stuff. But the only problem is we're way past the seeing the comet in the sky part for climate change. Yeah. We're at the, you know, raining stuff down on us with all like the fires and everything. So there's a part of me that's like, that's great, Adam McKay, but maybe he could have made this 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know. Well, I mean, you know, whatever, not to, not to like uh, toot our own horns or whatever, but I feel like you you and I have been involved in, in a group of people that have been, you know, worried about this stuff for, you know, 30 20, years. 20, 30 years. Yeah. 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 And, and so yeah. it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, on the one hand, I'm very glad that it is becoming like a thing that people sort of care about. But at the same time, it's like really, really late, you know, so so hopefully hopefully more happens we'll see but this movie i thought was great regardless you know you try not to think about it too much don't let it bring you be too depressing but it's a, it's a well done movie 
And this was your number five, right? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Yes, this was my number five. Okay, so my number five is a very different tone from your number five. And that is the Apple TV um, movie Swan Song starring wow. Mahershala Ali and Naomi Harris. And this is a slow burn, creepy, tearjerker story um, that it, it's definitely has some Philip K. Dick involved in it, although it, it doesn't have the kind of tone of it. It's This is a very slow, and I'm going to emphasize that again. Um, it's a sci-fi drama about a father, husband who finds out that he's dying and he goes to this company um, run by Glenn Close in the movie um, that can clone you and put you back into your family and your family will never know that you are going to die. <laughs> and basically that it becomes this conundrum for this character of once he meets his clone, then, you know, how does he feel about the fact that this person that looks and sounds like him and has his memories is going to replace him. There's powerful th themes of grief. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's a real sad movie. It's not a, a crowd pleaser or a fun movie, but very powerful. And I want to take this moment to shout out. And I feel really weird doing this to a major corporation like this, but Apple TV has been killing it recently, whether it's Ted Lasso, Foundation, uh, Mosquito Coast, For All Mankind, and, and this movie, they see, um, Finch, they seem to be giving a really good creative control and giving, you know, they just gave the Cohen, uh, the Cohen bro. I'm not sure which one, one of the Cohen brothers, um, the money to do a black and white Macbeth with Denzel Washington, which is just, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to like it, but I think it's cool that they like that. They gave him the money to do it. Um, sure. and you know, the fact that for all mankind and foundation that they're, that they know that these shows might not catch on right away and they're giving, they're saying, yeah, we'll give you three seasons. No questions right. asked to develop it is cool. So I, and this story is another one that's not commercial in any way, shape or form first time director. And they gave them this morose tearjerker sci-fi movie. So thumbs up to Apple TV for that. I'm assuming you have not seen this one yet. I have not seen that one. Uh, it, I, you know, I read on Facebook that it was the most depressing movie they've ever, someone had ever seen, um, which is, you know, sad. But uh, I, I would say that's it. one it's way to look at it. That's yeah. one way to look at it. But the other way to look at it is that it's not depressing because this this guy whose wife is pregnant when he finds out that he's dying, um, now his kid has 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 a parent. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, that sounds good to me. Like, you know, sad I, I for that guy, not sad for the family who doesn't know right. who's none the wiser. So, and that's not a spoiler. That's just, the yeah, plot. no, as a concept, I think it's great. I, I'm excited to see it. Like, I love, you know, whatever, like high, whatever, high concept science fiction, I'm awful all the time. So, yeah. And again, like we were talking about earlier, this is the kind of sci fi movie like to be able to see get made and get funded. And, you know, that yeah. it, there's a time when it wouldn't have gotten the money yeah you know it's it's really weird as just like an industry science fiction movies always have done very well 
and yet somehow they have like a super bad reputation, you know? <laughs> like, because they're expensive and complicated to make. So yeah, well, right, exactly. So you end up with either high budget ones that have to be a huge success or super low budget ones that are not a success because of their lack of budget. So it's it's been a weird, uh, it's a weird genre to, to make movies for. All right, so you're number four. Number four, I have Shang-Chi, the Marvel movie with the bus fight, apparently the second best bus, bus fight of the year. <laughs> Maybe, I'm interested. Yeah. Now when you see nobody, you're gonna have to tell me yeah, which bus that's, fight. That'll be the, I definitely will compare bus fights. But uh, this was a great movie. I think uh, people tend to forget that, uh, you know, this was introducing a new character or new characters. It barely had, you, you have to compare it to the Marvel movies that also introduce new characters. Um, and it's one of the better ones. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's great. I would, yeah, it's a great movie. And, and the, the, you know, the third act gets a little CGI-ish, but that's okay. You know, like I, I will forgive that. I, I thought they introduced great characters. It's well-written. The story was really good. It was really fun to watch. I loved it. Tony Leung. Oh my gosh, man. He just, as, as always, he just steals the screen whenever he's in a movie. Um, he's just amazing. I love that he's in a Hollywood movie, whether yeah. it's MCU or not. Tony Leung getting like the kind of love and the respect that those of us who watch Hong Kong movies have known that that guy just rules the screen. Um, you know, yeah, that was really good. And, and um, yeah, and introducing characters, it was really good. And as somebody who's a Kung Fu movie guy, like, I had every reason to be skeptical of it, but I really enjoyed it. No, they did. They, it wasn't Iron Fist. They did a good job, you know. And represent the director is um, uh, uh, SDSU graduate. So represent San Diego. So in his first indie movie was about working at a group home in San Diego. So um, oh, sweet. <laughs> which, by the way, was the was an early film for Rami Malek. It was discovered. But uh, um, anyways, my number four is one that you had already on your list. So we'll be talking about and that is boss level uh joe carnahan who is an uh, uh underrated director in my opinion um the gray is an incredible movie um narc it's great i know smoking aces was a little a little rough <laughs> um but boss level is was a movie that i had zero expectations on i turned on expecting i i wasn't i didn't even know that he had directed it. I just saw a sci-fi movie with Frank Grillo and I expected like a CG or um, a low budget crap fest that would be fun. Um, and this movie is, it's a time loop action movie and it's smarter than it has any right to be. Um, the fact that it has a cameo by Michelle Yeoh. So this is the third Michelle Yeoh movie we've talked about this year. So let's give it up for Michelle Yeoh um and uh smarter than it has any right to be naomi watts i don't know how they got the how they got naomi watts to do this movie but that's awesome she's good in it and um if you told me before i sat down to watch it because i didn't know that it was a time loop movie and i'm over time loops Uh (laughs) like even though i liked palm spring last year that was a great movie i probably would have been like no but 
they did such a great uh, Joe Carnahan did such a great job with this movie and making the time loops work. The action is incredible. The story is super fun. I laughed constantly watching this movie. It was super fun. Issa, what say you on boss level? So I, I have to tell you that I don't know how I missed this movie. Like I never heard of it somehow. And I'm so glad that you recommended it. And I watched it because I love time loop movies. It's maybe my favorite subgenre of movies. Like I love all of them. I will watch all of them. Um, you know, I mean, there's there aren't that many, but you know, Groundhog's Day, Happy Death Day. I love them all. I think the concept is great. I, even the uh, the novel um, uh, Schrodinger's Cat trilogy for Robert Anton Wilson, which is sort of like uh, sort of like that, although not entirely, but just like telling the same story over and over in slightly different ways. I think that's a fantastic uh, just framework with to tell a story within. I, I boss level sort of cheated a little. I felt there was a lot of outside the day. There was a lot of stuff that happened outside the loop for one of these kinds of movies. Mm. Like usually the rules of the movie are you just stay in your loop. Right. Mm. Um, so this, this sort of broke the rules there because you got a yesterday, you know, you had sort of like a yeah. whole bunch of yesterday events and it worked, it worked really well, but it, so I, as a technicality, I have to put that out there, but, um, but yeah, no, it worked really well. The action was good. As you said, it was super entertaining. My only nitpick is that there were too few loops. Like he was only on, they kept numbering the loops and he was only in like the hundreds, you know, whereas it should have been like in the thousands for him to actually like be able to do all the stuff that he was doing. But fair enough, I, I don't mind that. That's a nit, minor nitpick, but I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I loved Boss Level. Um, I th- just, yeah, you, you know, as far as like the, technicalities of all that like i'm not a big time loop guy although for for these movies but i did just for me the action was just great and it was just really well done i do know that joe carnahan also released two movies this year he had another movie with gerard butler called cop shop that looks ridiculous that i just didn't get around to seeing like ridiculous you know i think I think I've seen that and now I can't remember anything about it, but I'm pretty sure I've saw that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is kind of funny. But wait, I have to say one thing that uh the Mel Gibson is in this movie, which was which was almost enough to make me not watch it. Um, like I'm a huge believer in second chances, but I also don't care. <laughs> you know, like so I don't really uh, I don't usually watch Mel Gibson movies, no matter how good an actor he may or may not be. Um, but it worked in this movie really well because his character didn't really get a lot of development, but I already hated him. So it worked out perfectly. He's a great bad guy in that sense. So <laughs> just throw that in there. Yeah. The thing is, I don't know what it is, but I, I should hate Mel Gibson more, but he did a movie in 2016 called Bloodfather that for whatever reason, I love Bloodfather. I think it's a great movie. And, um, but I think his baggage kind of, helps that movie as well too a little bit yeah. um well sure i i like i yeah. said he's a bad guy he doesn't get a lot of development time but i hated him so it worked you know yeah yeah um and for whatever so the reason that jody foster and robert downey jr keep defending him for some reason and like continue to tells me that maybe he just messed up real bad but you know i don't know anyways Sure. Um, you know, drugs, whatever. I don't know who knows, right? For like, some reason, Jodie Foster defending him like works for me, and I don't know why, but like 
fair enough you know you know if it was i don't know if it was meryl streep maybe i wouldn't care but for whatever reason <laughs> jody foster continually saying that mel's misunderstood good guy i, I don't know why but you know whatever all right so you're number three so number three is actually the movie that I thought was most interesting and surprising of the year. And that is The Night House. And I knew nothing about this going in. This was sort of like one of my first movies back when theaters. Great movie. Yeah. And I'd, I'd only, I'd never heard of it. I only saw the poster. And on the strength of the poster, I was like, I'm going to go see this movie. Um, the poster is just like, uh, very minimal and it's just like a woman standing there and she's got her hand on on where someone's face would be and you see really subtle just the imprint of a hand on her face on her face like there's someone there and it was really uh, I was like okay that's a pretty cool poster I mean you know I mean how often do you see a movie poster these days where you're like oh I really want to see that movie right like it's usually just an afterthought so I thought that was impressive I really really liked the movie it's like a slow burn I don't even know what you would call it exactly. It's not really a horror movie. It's, it's it is a horror movie. Give me a break. Uh, well, it's like a cycle. It's more like it so, straddles the line between psychological thriller and horror movie. I don't know where. I, I guess it is a horror movie technically, but I feel like it is between those two genres because there's not a lot of horror stuff happening for a very long time in the movie. Like it's a very slow, slow burn in in a very good way. The acting's fantastic. The story's really well done. Um, yeah, I just thought it was great and it was a lovely surprise this year. And, uh, I don't know if a lot of people saw it, but I, I really recommend it. No, I saw it and it was during a day, um, when I watched four movies in a row. So <laughs> I think because of that, it got lost and it's, I mean, I liked it better than a lot of the movies on this list. So I'm mm. kind of calling bullshit on myself here because what I did to make my list is I looked at my letterbox to see like what I watched and then made my list. And I'm wondering if I forgot to put the night house on my letterbox because of the, I've watched four movies that day and this was the best of the four that I watched that day. Mm. And, um, and I, and even though it's a slow burn, it was the third movie I watched in a row and it, and it worked i was never bored i was yeah. like no it's, it's really it, well done it's a really well done horror film very creepy very intense and what's really cool is that was enough of a calling card to get the director the gig directing david goyer's produced and written hellraiser remake so oh, I had no idea. Awesome. yep yep it got the and that, that was, was what put it on my part. radar was that the director is doing this new hellraiser hmm. for david goyer um, which, you know, he let slip that they were two thirds done filming in one of the interviews he was doing for foundation. So he went from making foundation to Hellraiser, which is a really interesting, yeah. you know, it's alphabetical, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but the night house, um, you know, he, he very specifically said that, um, uh, cause he produced the night house, David Goyer produced the, the night house. But um, he, I got the feeling from the way he was talking about the interview that the night house was an audition for Hellraiser, right? Interesting. Okay. Like that he kind of gave the green light or helped produce this movie in order to kind of like say like, hey, if you pull this off and make it well, then then I'll give you then I'll give you Hellraiser. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and you got to see it in the theater because I I saw it 
Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, no, I saw it in the theater. I actually saw it twice in the theater. <laughs> like, oh, I wow. really liked it, went back and saw it again. So, yeah, yeah, the Night House is very, very, very good. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, good, good, good stuff. Um, all right. So, let's see. That was your number three, right? Or, or that was number three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, my number three, you had on your list earlier. So, while well, I go turn on a light, uh, tell us why you liked last night in Soho because that's my number three. Awesome. Um, it was really fantastically done. It's like a period piece and it, it's really, I'll, I'll put it this way it's sort of about, it's about a fashion student. I have no interest in fashion. I'm, I'm very, I mean, you know, I don't know if this is a video podcast, but I am not the most fashionable person, believe it or not. Um, and I was interested. I was even interested in the parts about the fashion school, you know? but just, uh, it was a really, the characters were really well done. The, the period part of it was really well done. It was filmed really well. Um, I really have just nothing but good stuff to say about it. And I had, I had very low expectations going in. I didn't know too much about it going in. Um, I will say that I, I would have tweaked the ending a little bit, you know, like it's, it's one of those movies where after I saw it, I was like, oh, I kind of wish this and this had happened, but you know, I still, I, I'll say I enjoyed the first two acts better than the third act, but I also really enjoyed the third act. All right. So here's my thing about last night in Soho and why it's number three for me, why it's so high for me. First of all, I'm not a, I mean, I'm not anti-Edgar Wright. Like I love listening to interviews with him. He's obviously a big movie nerd and I like hearing him talk about movies. Um, and I thought Baby Driver was okay. I, I, I'm one of the few people that liked Hot Fuzz better than Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and, Hot Fuzz was great. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Shaun of the Dead also great, but uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was exciting to see him do like a serious horror movie. And I do feel like Anyone not calling this a horror movie has really got problems because there's ghosts and there's murder. And what more do you need? Um, it is a horror movie. Now, here's the thing is it's super influenced by Italian giallo movies and um, and specifically Argento's. So and there's a lot of things in Last Night in Soho that will that some of the things that are genius about it. If you didn't if you haven't watched Argento movies or giallo movies. Yeah, see, you're not going to get some of the levels of genius that are going on there because, for example, like the fashion school and all the, you know, um, when we watched it, like Carrie said, you know, that some of the the behavior of the the other students in the art school in the fashion school seemed a little over the top. Well, that's basically a tribute to the Argento movie Suspiria and she's in a dance school and that, and you know, she's, I've seen seen Suspiria. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's kind of that going on, but the thing about Giallo movies is the Giallo movies of the seventies are extremely misogynist and they, they have the seventies vibe to them and they, 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 they have these beautiful Italian seventies settings, but the, the um the rape culture that's a part of it and the violence towards women in those movies is really hard to take so what Mm -hmm. is really brilliant about last night in soho is that edgar wright is making a tribute to giallo movies where misogyny is the monster right and rape culture and misogyny and then 
it has, and I won't give away this, you know, and by the way, General Zod was really great in this. He was, <laughs> he was super good. Um, um, uh, doc, the doctor, Matt Smith was really good um, as, you know, and there's a lot of tricks to what's going on. And I did like the final act because the twist really um, puts a statement on because um, Giallo movies always have a murderer and you don't know who the murderer is and to turn it around and reverse the, the, the misogyny of the Giallo movies and to, to make kind of a, a revenge story and have the ghosts be truly like the harassing men like you know it was that's really smart in a way that I think not everyone who watched this movie understands what Edgar Wright's doing there. And so I just want to put that out there that that's one of the reasons why it's my number three and why I think it's really, really good. And if you know that going in and it's such a better movie, if you know that about the G. I think we have to put up, we have to put up the spoiler warning. Cause I feel like we can't really talk about this movie without spoilers um so spoiler yes, warning. skip ahead yeah, yeah if skip you ahead. Don't want to. Okay. so the part that that got me was i wasn't sold on the police showing up at the woman's house as being enough of a trigger for her to try to kill the young woman right the older woman the yeah. like she was like you brought the police here now i have to kill you i really wish that it had been more than that like for example, was the young woman hallucinating? I don't know anyone's name, so I apologize. But was the younger woman hallucinating the whole time or had this woman she's living with been drugging her the whole time, right? Like, I felt like that would have been so much more interesting if, if it had been like, there was more reason behind why she had to kill her or something. Yeah, see, that didn't bother me. But And Thomas McKenzie okay, is yeah. the actor who plays the younger student. Um, and she was very good in it. Um, and uh anna taylor joy was pretty good in it too although she didn't have much to do um but i i will say um yeah i think all the performance was good and that was diana riggs last performance as the as the you know um so and that's that's kind of a great way to go out for an actor um yeah no i would i guess i'm saying i would have liked it to be a little longer like i felt like it, it kind of rushed to that end sure Sure. I can see that as a thing. I think for me, like whatever negatives I have for what's missing in the story is made up for and, and what he was saying in the statement he was making just for me personally, but, yeah. and God damn, uh, yeah. the movie looks incredible. It looks yeah. incredible. And anybody who knows anything about movie making that knows how hard it is to, to get a shot to do period is very hard and to make it look seamless and the way the music works with the way the scenes come in and out of the, the uh, dream sequences to the flashbacks, all that stuff. It's just really, really, really well done. Um, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, your number two, unless you have anything else to say on last night. It's over. No, no, that's, I think we said it all. So spoilers over. So my number two is a movie that I bet I would bet almost anything is not on your list. Uh, Free guy. Never would have thought that this would be a good movie. Yeah, but... no, I, I, in fact, my, <laughs> when I go play basketball with my basketball bros, one of the guys who's like the biggest 
like moron with bad taste one day just said to me hey dude have you seen free guy you gotta see free guy and i almost Wait, like, have you seen it i have not seen free guy okay almost right. entirely because so, that guy yeah well so excited about and it. i understand it's it's a mass appeal movie but holy crap it's good like it's it's a movie that you see the preview and the preview you know you think gives you a lot of the movie and you're just like this movie's gonna suck you know it'll be like an hour and a half of Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. And that's probably not enough to carry a movie. Turns out it's fantastic. It's a really well done movie. I you loved him in Deadpool and I mean, the Deadpool yeah, movies. Oh, sure. So. sure, sure. No, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good movie with a really solid story and a really like really good characters. And it's really well done. It's like, it's a super basic concept that you've seen a hundred times, but they put a twist on it and do it really well. And that's that's all I can really say about it. It's it's surprisingly good. <laughs> you got to see Free Guy. See, I just I know I I should not <laughs> let the movie be ruined by by that. Yeah, no, I I understand that I sound like that, but the but it it really is like a surprisingly <laughs> good movie. Like it's surprisingly good. Okay, my number two is going to be the Nerd Out. Um, okay, it it's going to be the Nerd Out, the 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 Dune Nerd Out. I understand that I cannot divorce the four times that I have read (laughs) Dune in my life. I read Dune for the first time when I was in middle school and loved it. And throughout the years, I, and I first reread it and we covered it on dickheads for my, my sixties Hugo winners series. When, when I thought I was preparing for Dune to come out the next year, course ended up being like two years later um so i was way ahead of the dune reread thing um so by contrast i have never read dune because you because you said you couldn't get past the first like 100 pages i started it and it just didn't grab me and i just never finished it and then i saw the movie in the 80s and then i just never read it because you watched the lynch movie and you know yeah which was fine i enjoyed that movie you know whatever (laughs) <laughs> yeah um, but then i never got around to reading the book yeah um you just never read it all along the way as uh exactly. um, lynch would say um but yeah so for me like i can't divorce the fact that i've read the book you know many 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 times and dune is an example of man this movie just because it was on hbo max and you didn't have to go to the theater if you didn't want to and people could rent it that there was a two-week period where it seemed like everyone was watching dune and commenting on it and it was very hard it's one of those movies where it was very hard for me to listen to people be wrong about it um uh because you know look denny venue if for me so far has not made a bad movie. I know a lot of people didn't like Blade Runner 2049, but I liked Prisoners. I liked Enemy. I liked Sicario. I I think 2049 is a great movie. Um, it, it's, uh, it's setting aside my feelings as a dickhead um, because I, I think that Blade, Blade Runner 2049 is a great movie that takes a big dump on the source material. Um, and I still like it. Um, um, and that's really Scott taking a dump on it. Um, because the whole like fact that Deckard is a replicant is 
exactly the opposite of the book and it just proves that Ridley Scott never finished reading it um but that's hidden there here nor there but I think Denny Veneuve and Arrival is great so Denny Veneuve for me has not made a bad movie um there was only one scene in all of Dune that made me laugh at how ridiculous it was and it was when they went to the Sardaukar planet and it was, and they had the Gregorian chants and it was like, they were so evil, they chant. And that part yeah. was like ridiculous. <laughs> but besides that, I thought it was a near perfect adaptation of the first half of Dune. And I think the whole thing of where you're like, it's half a movie. Um, I think the people who've read the book, it's kind of a natural stopping point in the book. And whereas for us who've read the book, we're f- I'm fine with it stopping there because I know how it ends and I know how, where it's going. And I'm sure for, for you who have not read it, you know, but in my opinion, um, the sci-fi, the, the sci-fi channel miniseries in the early two thousands has the worst special effects possible. And it looks like it was made on a soundstage and it's the worst effects, but it actually tells the story quite well. And mm-hmm. I've told a few people like, it's okay to, go ahead and read the rest of the book and then have the experience of the rest of the movie or watch the miniseries. If you really need to get the end of the story that much sooner, in my opinion, but as somebody who's read the book so many times, when people say that the characters are like cardboard or they're not emotional enough, it's like, well, you should read the book because they're way more emotional in this movie (laughs) than they are in the book. I, um, I thought the characters were great. I, I'm, my my comment about it being half a movie was more just like what happens in the second half will define how good the first half was. So it's hard to judge the same way you would judge a, another movie. Sure. I was actually surprised that it told as much of the story as it did. I kind of expected it to end when they leave the city. Uh, I don't want to, I mean, I guess whatever, you can't spoil Dune, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I expected it to end with like the the tooth and the Baron and and all that stuff, and then the they escape, and that would be the end of part one. That's what I thought. That's where I was expecting it to end. So it actually went longer than I thought it would, um, and I was actually a little surprised by that. But I didn't care. I didn't really care where it ended. That it didn't bother me that it was half a movie. See, I think it the just, ending is where he becomes, you know, he becomes the savior is the end of part one that's like an end of a story is like we've gone from the point where his arc is paul is a young boy whose dad's not who his dad tells him you know like hey you don't have to be the savior you don't have to take over for the family and then he becomes the savior which you know spoiler alert for five other books but um (laughs) it doesn't go well uh you know and that's kind of the point of dune is is that it doesn't go well you know Mm -hmm. and and i don't think you can spoil it because paul is saying like he's telling you it's going to happen and he's having these visions but um i think this translation of dune is great for people who say that it's not emotional enough that the characters don't have dimension or depth that's absolute insanity um lady jessica uh, rebecca ferguson again like just, just being awesome um her fear when he's taking the test of the box is so palatable it's great um no other version like lady jessica just stands there with her arms crossed in mm-hmm. earlier versions um 
you know, uh, Duncan Idaho's joy at seeing Paul, like, you know, these mm-hmm. characters have depth, they're, they're embodied, you know, and, um, you know, the fact that Leto says to, to Paul, which has never happened in any version of Dune ever, whether it's radio plays, novels, anything, the fact that he says, all you have to be is my son, you know, mm-hmm. that's never happened in any version of Dune before, you know, no. so um, I am all for um and i think one of the most powerful scenes is that you get just a glimpse of shy halud and the the woman who's the ecologist when she like you know has like you know she has the sticks out ready to ride and you just see it got perfect god it was so great and i think denny venue was perfect for it because he gave the world like a texture and a feeling and um you know it gives you know people something to explore so, yeah, so I have a I have a science nitpick with this movie. Um, they did a great job of having like far future technology in most of the movie, you know, where it's just like mm-hmm. you don't even you, you know there's no gravity. They've got anti grav like stuff. Oh, you're going to be this guy, aren't you? You're going to ask. Gonna, you're going to say this guy. thing. You know what I'm going to say? Why? Why aren't there computers? There's an explanation no, in the no, book. No, no, I wasn't. That's not what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> I like the, the the no computers. That's fine. But why do they have these stupid ornithopters when they've got clearly got gravity negating technology? It makes no sense. So that I thought was really stupid. Like that bothered me to the point of like, why haven't they thought this through? Because that looks really cool those ornithopters look really really cool <laughs> they do look cool but what a stupid craft to fly if you've got anti-gravity you know what i mean like it just didn't really make any sense all right i'm just well, saying that's that's a nitpick of mine if you once you've got anti-gravity why would you have like anything else right like it just makes no sense but whatever they did a good job aside from that it looked great yeah dune um <laughs> look it's it's hard to make a dune um asked david lynch he it it like he ended up because of making dune he ended up doing nothing but weird crazy surreal movies for 30 years and doing weather (laughs) reports on youtube so you know um and uh which by the way i watch every day even though i'm not in la and if you're not watching the david lynch weather reports I, I did not know that was a thing, and now I do, and I will. I might have to watch one every day, every morning. Yeah, he he yeah. does an LA weather report, and every day he says we're gonna have beautiful blue skies all along the way. Um, so uh, okay. Ready for that? But yeah. and Fridays, there's a special treat every Friday on the David Lynch <laughs> weather reports. So. Everybody uh, watch the David Lynch weather reports. It is part of our nightly routine, even though the day is over and the, um, the weather can't help us at that point. Um, so, okay. What was your number one movie? Um, my number one movie. And I just want to point out that it's not even close. Like my number one movie was about 10 times better than my number two movie. And my number one movie is Spider-Man No Way Home. It is the eight. It's not even its own movie. So it kind of, it's like a weird thing. To compare it to other things but it was the perfect eighth spider-man movie and it just brought it brought everything together so well and if you're a fan of the spider-man movies you understand um it totally redeemed andrew garfield i assume we'll be seeing more of him um and uh yeah it was just it was fantastic 
yeah that that was a little bit of a spoiler there but um oh is that still considered a spoiler at this point i kind of figured that that was beyond spoiler yeah if you don't want to be spoiled for spider spider-man no way home uh definitely skip ahead (laughs) and go back five minutes and do not listen to what i just said um yeah i saw this in berkeley on super rainy night so um and after like going on my philip k dick expedition all day so i'll always have that fun memory of seeing this movie um and uh i thought it was great it's weird i don't know how to process it as a spider-man movie because it was such a weird with all like the different multiverses kind of coming together and all that and the different spider-man characters um the one problem i had with the movie is that uh mcu peter is really dumb and his choices in the movie are very dumb and he it's all his fault and when aunt may is dying in his hands and it's his fault and she tells him you did the right thing i want to be like no he didn't no he did not do the right thing and you're dying and you should not be telling him that i know story-wise they're setting up it's basically turning everything that's happened so far into that spider-man's origin story yeah which is weird because he's already saved the world a bunch of times been off planet and and i get it i understand why they did it story-wise but my only problem with the movie is i just thought peter parker was really stupid to do this and and now he's a teenager and every time i've complained about it people say he's a teenager what do you expect but it's one thing to do like a dumb thing as a teenager and like leave dishes and in the sink and not apologize for it. It's another thing to destroy the fabric of many universes. It's not a thing that you... Isn't that Dr. Strange's fault more than, uh, than Peter Parker's fault as the responsible adult in the room, you know? They, they are both to blame, but, but Dr. Strange is going to fix it. And Peter's like, no, I'm going to make the problem worse. (laughs) <laughs> and not only that, he's going to fight Doctor Strange in order to make everything worse. And that, yeah. um, you know, is is what compounds it and makes it worse to me. And for that reason, um, that was my only problem with that Spider-Man movies that really bothered me. And it's funny because I have a hard time thinking of this as a movie because, yeah, it's so weird when it all comes together. And it, it and it does have the structure of a movie. It has all the characters, and I enjoyed myself. I laughed. I had a good time. I'm glad I saw it, but it's it's a really odd thing. So, and I'm not as invested in Spider-Man as as, as some people, but you know, overall, you know, it is what it is. So yeah, I, I think it's it's this is why I usually try to leave Marvel movies off these lists most years because it's it's impossible to take it by itself right like it's not like it's not a movie part eight of a thing right you know so yeah and it's not even part eight because it's a spider-man movie but there's also other mcu things that are involved so it's you know it's it's the culmination of 30 previous movies it's hard to really judge that you know but in terms of like how much fun i had in the theater and how many times i want to see this movie again it was by far the best movie and I'm worried that like the Matrix could barely get screens to be shown because um, yeah, that's because it wasn't very good. 
Well, yeah, I didn't hate it. Um, uh, I didn't hate it. It just wasn't very good. Um, I, I, I'm actually in the pro new matrix camp, although not enough that it even got on my list. So I'm not going to talk about it for too long. Yeah. Okay. I, I will just say that I, I, I don't know. I, I liked the meta textual commentary in it. And I know that didn't I, I, did, I, I would say that if, if whatever, we're not, it's, we go back to the honorable mentions. It just needed its action scenes were really flat. And that was it, my biggest complaint. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the thing. So anyways, my number one and to, to, and then we'll close out here a little bit. And I'm not going to say a ton about my number one, but um, it was a very surprising number one for me because usually every year there's like some genre movie that just destroys and I like love it beyond, beyond belief. Sorry. We have dog situations going on. Um, <laughs> It's only the number one movie of the year. Yeah, um, what timing. Uh, but what I'm gonna say is like, normally I have like a Mandy or a Mad Max Fury Road or something that's just like the clear. And if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have been like, oh, it's gonna be Dune, it's gonna be Dune. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the, the best movie experience that I had this year and the best movie I saw all year was Stillwater with Matt Damon. And it, even if 10 minutes into it, you had told me this is going to be your favorite movie that you see this year, I would have been like, bullshit. So the thing is, if you watch the trailer, here's one of the things about the trailer. If you watch the trailer for Stillwater, it is absolutely a trailer for a different movie. It is the most um, bullshit trailer you will ever see. Like the trailer for the movie or Stillwater is absolutely not the movie that's on screen when you get there. All those scenes are there. All those parts are there. But what they set up is that Stillwater appears to be a movie that's inspired by the, what was the woman who was accused of murder, the student in, in Italy? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Amanda Knox. Amanda Knox. Yes. It appears to be like based on the Amanda Knox story. And the right, story. That's what, I, that's what I thought. I haven't seen the movie, but that's what I thought from the previous. And so Matt Damon's character is a character who he's like a salt of the earth, Oklahoma oil rig worker and his daughter is a lesbian who gets accused of murder in france and is in jail in france and the trailers make it look like he's going to france and he's gonna get the truth and he's gonna get her free and his and and he won't stop until she gets out of jail and and he proves her innocent that is not the movie at all you think that's the movie and even the first act, you think when he leaves to go to France, you're like, all right, this is now he's going to he's going to go and he's going to do this. Stillwater is one of the best character movies I have ever seen. Wow. Matt Damon's character in it is so surprising. And what happens? And I almost don't want to spoil it for people. Yeah, don't spoil it for me. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, um, but. I was so moved by this movie and some things happen towards the end where you're just really hurt by mistakes that the character makes. And um, it's absolutely the best movie I saw this year. Um, I was shocked 
not it's not like shocking like oh my god you know it was his daughter the whole time like old boy or whatever you know it's nothing that shocking but it's just you get invested enough in the characters that you know you're just really really surprised and it's just and now the guy who made the movie made the station agent which is a super underrated movie and he's just he's made great movies throughout his career and he and matt damon did some really interesting things to make this like they spent time like with oil rig workers so they could learn about the character that they were writing about and just it's a really interesting thing and um yeah it's just fucking great movie really good movie um nothing mind-bending or or whatever but just um just i think what's really so powerful about it is that it's not the movie you think it is and even 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 when you're half an hour into it and you're like okay i see where this is going and, and it's not so isn't that great? I love I love when that happened. Free Free Guy was also very much like that. So we have a <laughs> all right. So I will watch Free Guy. You watch Stillwater. Absolutely. You have a bunch of movies you got to watch. I have um, a bunch of movies to catch up on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say, um, Stillwater was, um, yeah, and it was just like, uh, like oh, I heard Matt Damon's good in this, so I'll watch it. You know, and um, just didn't really um have much of a expectation and then yeah wow yeah really good <laughs> so um all right so now you didn't see a lot of, of my movies i definitely yeah. okay you're gonna make me watch free guy i'm gonna make you i'm on my way right now to your house with a copy of free guy on dvd <laughs> well I'll, I'll handle the copy but I, I and i'm not saying i'll see it tonight but i will I will see it soon. So Free Guy is one I mean, that it's not going to change your life or anything. I'm just saying I think you'd find it interesting as a screenplay, if nothing else. Right, right. Um, but okay, so now that we've gone through the list, um, is it what's the one that you're you're putting to the top of your list? The one that you're going to track down? Uh, well, I'm definitely going to see Stillwater. It sounds like I like Matt Damon, and it sounds that already was on you know something I wanted to see. Um, I definitely want to see the Black Panther movie. I've been planning to see that. Um, I'm actually going to see everything on your list, probably. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's a good list. Um, you know, it's really weird. I just have to say that these past, you know, pre-pandemic, I would go to the theater three or four times a week, and uh, or three times a week. Like the A-list pass gives you three movies a week. And most weeks I would be like, damn, I don't have an extra pass to see another movie. Right. Uh, so, so that was, you know, I usually, I used to try. Yeah, to see I'm, I'm frankly shocked because one of the reasons why I asked you to do this is I assumed you would have seen everything. I know. I'm so sorry. Most years. Um, so my brilliant plan, and I don't want to get too, I don't want to bore anyone, but my brilliant plan when everything closed down was to just really invest in my home theater um, I got this great since there was already like the previous owners of the house had put speakers in the ceiling and stuff. So I've got this like Dolby Atmos system and like a screen and a projector and it's awesome. Um, but I can't ever watch movies on it because everyone's always home. I've got young kids and it's just like, so I can't watch certain movies because of content. I can't watch other movies because they're too loud. And so it's just like, I have this great home theater, but once school's closed and the kids weren't gone during the day at school, I couldn't watch a movie anymore. So it was sort of a, a rough <laughs> pandemic movie. So that's why I ended up watching more TV shows. 
All right. Well, we'll uh, try to keep um, people posted on what what on on, on how you uh, fare on these movies. Um, I, I think um, I think you're gonna love Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. Nobody. Space Sweepers. You you'll love. I'm all gonna those. see. I'll see. I will see all of these. These all sound great. What a great list! And I'm excited that uh, I got to see it. <laughs> well, and you know, I try not to choose just you know because I'm one of you know uh carrie and i watch try to watch all the oscar nominated movies before they they come right. and you know and there were a couple of good ones that i you know like like king richard was great um I probably could have gotten an honorable mention will smith was incredible as yeah venus serena's father and that could have been on the list and there's a couple other things but um but yeah yeah i think Stillwater just um yeah it's just a really powerful experience so Awesome. All right. Well, um, Issa, tell the folks uh, if they want to um, communicate with you online. Is there a way to find you? Um, you know, I am work? terrible. I am terrible at social media. So uh... that is not true. <laughs> you are pretty good. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I'm not really on any of the other platforms. And uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, and you've got a new startup you're doing that uh, that's supporting writers, so that's kind of yeah, that's, cool. that's exciting. That is called Outvoice, and uh, if you have a publication and need a way to pay freelancers, or if you have anything and need a way to pay freelancers, reach out. Yeah, um, that, that I I could have uh, I have one one article that I wrote a while back that took me three months to get paid for, yep, for an article, is, and I thought of you many of times. <laughs> during the three months that i was like trying to track down my payment for my article three months is not bad in this industry too like that's uh that's 90 days is like one of the better you know, i mean there are some magazines that do better but i mean hey i like, got a honestly, paper i got a paper check from tour so you know yeah there there you go so we've you know we've we've taken that we've brought the process into the 21st century it typically takes like a couple days to get paid now uh, and you don't have to send an invoice or anything, which is fantastic. So, yeah. And if people want to find uh, your band, Good Clean Fun is all over Spotify and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And yeah. for people who don't know, Good Clean Fun is kind of like a tongue in cheek, satirical, hardcore band um, with uh, um, uh, just some, some really college is a great song. And yeah, uh, it's vegan straight edge for people who don't take it too seriously. Yes, and then you have. Uh, I know you have a Star Wars song. Shout out to Last Jedi, um, <laughs> and uh, um, but uh, um, so good. Clean fun is out there, and people can find that. And I highly recommend. Um, what's the? I used to be emo. What's the song? The um, God, uh, <laughs> I'm screwed up your songs. That's <laughs> uh, okay. This is embarrassing, but uh, I'm the a little bit emo. A little bit. A little bit hard. emo great yeah. song that's that's one of my favorite good clean fun songs even though i <laughs> screwed up the the lyrics but uh it's but yeah the old 20 year old song so it's cool <laughs> all right and so we'll probably see you again when we uh review star trek discovery season four um, which i'm now excited about the last episode was great so the last we'll episode was great yeah and and i can't believe there's 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 haters complaining about the last episode when it's like <laughs> the most star trek episode yeah. of the season so totally all right cool. 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm going to go hoop before it rains, hopefully. So, uh, and uh, I will be in touch soon. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, David.